From the hidden secrets of our backyards to the realities of the third world, we take a raw and real look into the challenges and the pursuits of social justice. Welcome to The Point. The Point Podcast is brought to you by ThePoint.life, offering healthcare, entrepreneurship, and education both domestically and internationally. Visit ThePoint.life to find out how you can get involved. Here's five food facts that I'm sure you didn't know. Number one, 25 million Americans live more than 15 miles from a grocery store. Number two, the average item on a grocery shelf travels an astounding 1,500 miles to get there. Number three, people living in the poorest socioeconomic status are two and a half times more likely to be exposed to fast food than those living in wealthy areas. Fact number four, we actually throw away 60% of our lettuce and spinach that we buy at the store. I know I'm guilty of this, having that nasty gooey spinach at the bottom of the bag that you had such high hopes for making smoothies out of at the beginning of the week. In fact, number five, which kind of blows my mind, is that we are already using half of the world's land and 30% of its water to grow food. But by 2050, it's estimated that we're gonna have to increase food production by 70%. So all this talk about food not only makes us hungry, but it can make us stressed about what do we do? I mean, after all, people have to eat. So today we are joined by Farmer Levi and Farmer Toshina. They are living in West Philadelphia and they help to run this incredible urban farm called Mill Creek Farms. Mill Creek was actually built on land that was not considered stable for housing foundations that were originally there and it was eventually torn down in the 1970s. Since then there's been a community garden on the western portion of the block and on the eastern portion sat vacant except for trash and weeds until 2005 and that's actually when Mill Creek was able to step in and become the educational and environmental farm that they are. But rather than me trying to explain all this, please join me in welcoming Farmer Levi and Farmer Toshina. My name is Brother Levi. I'm one of the lead farmers or one of the lead growers here at Mill Creek Farms. I'm assistant lead farmer Toshina. Basically, Mill Creek Farm is a urban row area and a community garden and farm area that's been around since the 70s. This area was once a place where buildings were, but buildings used to actually be here during the 50s and the 60s. And a lot of stuff sunk in because this area, Mill Creek, is over a literal creek. So a lot of housing could not be here. So the whole area was rebuilt into a farm and community garden. And it's been successful ever since. And again, this area used to be a actual creek. And it still does run under. And it was used as an industrial creek for manufacturing. A lot of creeks in Philadelphia and around America, of course, were. So, hence the name Mill Creek. In West Philadelphia, you have Cobbs Creek, same area, just another side of town. You have the Wissahickon. And all these were areas where um, an industry at one time also started in America. So, buildings were here. The buildings couldn't survive on the land because of the water, the moisture. So, we wanted to be a restructured to become a grow area. Very cool. And who is the founders like who had the first idea to turn it into a, a community garden 
Mill Creek Garden side actually was led by the community. They started gardening on this plot of land prior to becoming a farm. So the farm actually started as a joint partnership between the University of Pennsylvania and a local high school here in Philadelphia. The high school students and the University of Pennsylvania joined together to actually start the farm. Yeah, so that's been active for about 17 years now. Wow. The nonprofit was for that runs the farm. Okay. Yeah, I saw that. And the nonprofit, is that a little taste of everything? It is. Yeah. And so can you tell us a bit about what exactly urban farming is? So urban farming is basically is well-structured, methodical growing in urban areas and long stretches of land that sometimes are about a block long, two blocks long, three blocks long. Anything less than that is usually a garden. But once you start going into anything that's about a block long, it's acreage. So, you know, you're starting to deal with farming. You're dealing with longer tracts of land. But urban farming is mainly is knowing how to produce crops in the city for use, for health within city boundaries with um, holistic and safe methods, because we're talking about producing food for other human beings. So urban agriculture is a safe method of growing food within city boundaries. That's the best definition I can give you. That's a fantastic definition. And from what I understand, at Mill Creek, you don't use any chemicals. Is that correct? No chemicals, no. Anything we use here is plant-based. Any product that's bought to be used, we can show it to you. We can show the ingredients. And we also know how to use it because we follow the instructions and we use it only in small quantities. But none of it is like major farm pesticide, DDT, or anything of that nature at all. As a matter of fact, anything we use here, you can use yourself in your farm or your, or your garden. So, and it's on all your on your body. Yes. Wow. It's all organic. And we follow the instructions of these organic based gardening products that we have. So, you know, things like fish emulsion and, and we use neem, uh, which is a basic herbal mixture that's used to help fight off insects and certain uh, infections. We even use food grade hydrogen peroxide and water. All this stuff is diluted before it even gets onto the plants. So it's all it's all organic base growing. Yeah, that's incredible. And from what I understand as well, you are what you consider an educational farm too. Yes. So tell us about like how does that work? People come in from high schools and help out and learn about it, or what does that look like? We have a volunteer okay. system that is set up for Mill Creek. We also have various schools in the area that come to the farm that will come around the farm. One of those groups is the Road School, which um, is always open to Mill Creek. And uh, we actually, you know, when children come and schools come past, the door is always open for them to learn and come in. Yeah, it's definitely education-based, all community-based. I love that. I saw on one of the videos on YouTube, they were talking about like how an elementary kid came and planted, I think maybe some kale or something and then grew the kale and then brought it home and like gave it to their parents. And they're like, what? You yep. grew this? This is so cool. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We actually do that. All the food that we grow here, we also let people see how it grows. We have something called a backyard growers program Okay. In, at Mill Creek Farms where people can do gardening and farming at home. And we supply the tools and the education and the learning groups and like, we create study groups 
through uh, gardening in the city. So there's people all through West Philadelphia, even through North Philadelphia, on other sections of Philadelphia who are gardening. And Mill Creek is the supplier of their particular tools and gardening products, their raised beds, which, by the way, we also make raised beds here. We recycle wood here. We recycle okay. old wood and use them in actual urban agriculture. One thing about city farming is because, you know, with so much other work you do, how you set up a grow area so it can take care of itself. So I don't have to come in and fight so much with the land because it's urban versus when you have a very large rural farm, you know, there's certain things technology wise that's set up. It's not small, it's large. So it's certain things that are set up technology wise, season wise, mm -hmm. but it can still maintain by itself over a season. So what I'm doing here now, I'm setting things up so they can grow not only over a season, but um, plants don't have to fight so much with the environment to grow. Mm. You know, there's space set up for various types of plants to grow. And that's why this is the first time I think we've been doing this many raised beds. First time I've seen raised beds at Mill Creek. Really? Yeah. Or just using weed block. Because this year we use weed block to keep a lot of plants from blowing into the field. Their seeds blow into the field and then they feed off of your field. Uh, yeah. So I had to till the ground. And this is a lot of people don't see this about growing. I had to till three times with a machine. I pushed it down. So I had to do that at least about three times and add amendments until the color changed. If it doesn't get to a certain color, that means I need amendments. And so I had to do it three times until the color got to the right level. And even the amount of weeds that were in the ground, I had to break that down. And because I didn't have a lot of time to build raised beds or put down weed block in certain areas, I just had to really just go ahead and just lay down weed block and just sow in through my weed block. That way my plants have a chance to grow strong without fighting everybody. <laughs> it's, like, it's like such a good symbolism of life, right? <laughs> yeah, out, out in the fields, everything. You know what? Farming teaches you about all the life cycles. And it's such a beautiful thing. We, we have a joy of looking at bees, of finding out how intelligent animals are out here. Hmm. This is my third city farm or city garden I've built. This is one of my joys to build because I love to see the children's faces and families eat and people feel joyful. And it's always peaceful in building it. Don't nobody want to come up here. Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah, being in an urban environment and being able yeah. to take that little escape into nature. Yeah. This is a little paradise out here. Right. It's noisy on the outside, but it's very peaceful inside. Mm -hmm. It's so important to have that in the community. How have you seen either in the communities you've worked in before or in Mill Creek community, West Philly, like how have you seen these urban farms transform the community? Oh, well, one thing for sure is being a builder of one, I've built actually three and one twice. What I've noticed is it stops violence. It helps give children an outlet to learn, wow. a safe space, a healthy thinking space, clean water, people that care, and also nutrition. You can come up here and get a meal. Someone that's hungry, I've had elders who are growers. So we have a community side and we have a farm side. So it all really connects in my world anyway. Uh -huh. And it's all one. And so it's times when elders have come through and uh, they needed some food. Urban farms up with food security. 
All the food of America comes from another place. 60%, if not more, of the food that we eat comes from somewhere else, whether it's a banana or whatever. Carrots, even, for that matter, come from somewhere else. So to be able to come to someone where food is at in abundance and say, hey, can I get a bag? Can I get a couple of vegetables? No, you can't get a couple of vegetables. You can get a bag of vegetables. And it's a beauty to see the faces shine and, and people feel good about growing food and helping each other. So, you know, urban agriculture is the future and it's the past. It's one of the main movements of America where America dropped the ball. America moved all of its major productions of survival to other places. So car manufacturing, you know, my father and his father seen a car made in America. There's not too many places where our children can see something being made in America. So that means employment, being able to employ the people, urban agriculture, all the housing came down in the 60s and 70s. The factories all came down in the 60s and 70s, particularly in the 70s. So that means you had two generations or so that they didn't work in those areas. They didn't work in the city. They had to find new type of work. So now you have all this vacant property. You have all this unemployment, right? And here's another disparity. All your food comes from somewhere else, yet you have no employment and you have vacant space and land. Yeah. And you have economic disparity. Mm -hmm. So really what you have is an opportunity that could have created employment for America, food security for America, right? Not teaching me how to grow and how to do horticulture, okay, when I'm in jail. Now, this is real, and this is something that really bothered me. When I seen people, not that they learn in horticulture and in prison, that is beautiful. Learning anything is beautiful. I help people in prisons all the time, my family, my people. What I didn't like, though, is that you would wait this long to teach horticulture. That's something that could have been done, not just as a deterrent. That could have been a lifestyle practice. So the alternative economy is an economy created by somebody else that's illegal. And so where we could be producing for ourselves, we're not. And the sad thing is, is that urban agriculture on a community level is more radical than some of the deepest crimes. Hmm. And I've witnessed that firsthand. To take an urban lot that's been sitting for 30 years vacant, you can get more static about that than many other things. Hmm. So there's a lot of politics. Yeah, land is wealth. And I think this is an opportunity that America will have to, and I've said this for 20-something years, America will have to produce for itself on its own land and its own spaces. The farther you are from your food and your energy, the more dependency you will have. And when those sources are gone or can't produce, you're affected. So what we're teaching here at Mill Creek, and not just Mill Creek, but what I teach, particularly me, is that produce where you are. Learn to produce where you are. Food is one, and of course, energy is another. We also have solar panels here. Good, yes. So good. So it's like self-sufficiency versus, you know, getting caught up in crime. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, because I believe personally that self-sufficiency education is the real movement, is the real revolution, and it is the real economy. That's what needs to be taught. And it should have been taught in school. It should be taught at home. You know, and so that's our goal is to get the people to know that they can produce for themselves. That's the goal, in my opinion. And that's why I'm here. That's my ultimate spill, my Mad Max spill <laughs> on reality. You're doing it. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna give you to Toshina. She said I rock, but Toshina. No, listen. Ask the Toshina Come on, question. Let me hear it. Toshina got stripes in the game. No, no, no. Let I did not have stripes in the game. I'm not very. Uh... <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. You have a firefighter shirt on. Uh, EMT. I had some EMT uh, experience in my lifetime. Oh, my husband's an EMT. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's a hard job. <laughs> it is a hard job, and it takes a special type of person it in does. order to take that role in life. I became a EMT to become a real life superhero. Yeah. I felt like that was the ultimate, you know? So, yeah, whenever you're a firefighter or EMT or you're giving up your service, you're a superhero, even farming, superheroism. You know, so, and I look at form in the same way as like a body, like I would a body. Mm, I'm sure your husband can attest to this, you know, as an EMT, they teach us to view the body first impression. And when you look at a plant, you have to view it by its first impression. You know, plants do speak to you. They let you know what's going on inside of them. And the body speaks to us and let us know what's going on inside there are symptoms, there are signs that we need to measure. So out in farming, that's the same technique we use out here. Basically, the earth is alive and we have to pay attention to it and we have to roll along with what the earth is providing for us as far as when we go to harvest and when it's time to plant and when it's time to switch out crops, things of that nature. So to me, I feel like I'm still in the same field somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> Literally in the field. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so those are my stripes. I'm not as versed in the agriculture and horticultural venue as Farmer Levi is. <laughs> he he rocks. Look, he's very humble. He's very humble, but you know he's very knowledgeable as well. Like every time he speaks, I'm listening. Like right? learning something. Yeah, he's very very passionate as I am about farming. What's your favorite thing about it? About farming. Well, my grandparents were farmers, so I felt like when I started here last year as a community gardener and I came over to volunteer at the farm, that's how I was able to actually fall into this role this year. I felt like I found a power that was already bestowed upon me, being able to garden and farm, the freedom and the empowerment that it gives me to be able to have a power to put a seed in the ground and allow nature to do its thing with it. And be able to feed me on the back end of it and be able to empower others with that same skill set is something very, you know, nothing less than amazing. So with that being said, that's that's my favorite part. You know, I don't have one particular plant that I'm in love with. I just love the skill of planting and watching it grow, watching it fruit, watching, you know, the changes that come about during the seasons. I love being able to harvest. I love when volunteers come and they harvest and we are able to teach them some of the skills that we use every day out here. I think that's more so amazing to me, just being able to give this power, this exchange of energy to someone else. Mm-hmm. It's not something that can be kept a secret. It's not something that, you know, we should cover to ourselves. Everyone needs to be able to plant a seed and water it, watch it grow and be able to harvest. It's a cycle. Mm-hmm. So good. It's like you're in preventative medicine now, right? Because it's like what you're putting in your body. I would say so. I would say so. I love herbs and I do come from a 
a culture and a group of women. My uh, godmother is a herbalist. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I feel like now I'm in a different, uh, <laughs> I'm in a different realm of the medicine. Yeah. You're right, preventative medicine. Yeah, absolutely. And our food is our power. Our food is our medicine. Being out here, this is the real pharmacy. This is the real pharmacy. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, the food here is the real pharmacy. With these natural herbs and naturally organic grown vegetables, you can prevent a lot of these pre-existing medical conditions that a lot of Americans have. And these natural medicines, these natural remedies, they don't go into the body and mask one symptom and break down another. That's the difference with this pharmacy versus the, you know, westernized medicine take on things. Yeah. Yes. Natural remedies and natural preventative medicine is, yeah, that's the team I'm playing for now. Yeah, I love it. That's good. I think it's important to like to talk about too how the word or like the phrase like food desert exists, right? And how yeah. Can you help us understand like what a food desert is and and what that means and how not everybody has equal access to nutritious food? Okay. Well, uh, here in West Philadelphia, I was born here in Philadelphia in West Philadelphia. And the food desert definition that I would use is that we have a lot of stores that populate our corners here, but they do not offer anything of nutritional substance, maybe chips, soda, things of that nature. You may be able to find maybe a head of lettuce and maybe some uh, tomatoes in some of these corner stores, but they're simply for sandwiches that you have to buy from the deli from the store. That's not something that you can actually go home and create a nutritious, balanced meal. So we have all these stores, but no access to beneficial food. So that's the food desert. They're not selling what you would need in order to sustain a balanced, nutritional you know, lifestyle. You would need to go outside of this community in order to gather you know, eggplants, tomatoes, broccoli, things of that nature, or maybe to the store. And with that being said, a lot of our youth, they aren't aware of where our fruit comes from or where our vegetables come from. Mm -hmm. So you will run into a conversation with the youth that will say, oh, you know, uh, a watermelon grows on the ground or Mm -hmm. onions, they come from the ground. You know, it's not a tree and someone else from another part maybe someone from a more rural area, they would think like that was something that someone didn't know already. But that is the reality when you're in a food desert. You know, there's access to a lot of fatty, high cholesterol, high sugar products on every corner, but there's nothing like a fresh orange or fresh apple or, you know, grapes, things of that nature. So that's where the food desert definition or title comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I read that, yeah, 25 million Americans are more than 15 minutes from like an actual grocery store. Yes. And that's still, you know, a, a system of control as well, because when you go to the stores now, a lot of our fruit has been genetically modified. So you won't have the seed. So, 
You know, that's, that's right. another powerful thing to have seeds and be able to go into a yard and place it in soil or, you know, propagate it in water and be able to benefit from that seed, you know. Now those seeds that are like hybrid seeds, they're hard to come by or you have to buy them. You can't just save seeds from your fruit. As a child, I could bite into an apple and there would be seeds. You buy into an apple now, there's no seeds. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you get a watermelon, it's seedless watermelons, you know. And as we would say in our culture, our elders, those from the South and things of that nature, they won't eat the watermelons that don't have seeds because they come from a time where, you know, seeds are inside of all real, you know, fruit, you know, from the God bearing fruit. There has always been seeds. So you have some that think that it's, you know, a freak of nature, but I still rather someone have access to the seedless watermelon than bag of Doritos True. or, True. you know, the sodas and things of that nature. At least, you know, you still have that. But um, we are lucky enough to have individuals like myself and Farmer Levi who have a passion and wanting to change these spaces that are allocated for us in our community into a source of abundance, you know, and accessible spaces of nutrition to the community so you don't have to worry about these stores yeah and you're doing it in a way that's like sustainable and empowering so you're not just like right like give a man a fish you're not just like giving a watermelon you're like teaching how to grow a watermelon too. how to grow a watermelon yes so it's like multiplying your impact exactly exactly and that's something that you know I feel like we all have that passion here at Mill Creek and it's more of a, it's a small like family type of feeling amongst us all here. And it's nothing more rewarding than to deliver the raised beds with the backyard program that we have that Levi was telling you about. And just the faces of the recipients are just so amazing. They're so excited to get started. We give them seeds to get started with and we provide them with the soil, all the tools they need, all the empowerment, all the encouragement that they need to go along with starting their own uh, backyard gardens and empowering them with skills so that in the event that they don't have access, you Mm -hmm. know, hopefully that's not the case, but in the event someone doesn't have access, they have access in their backyard. It's right here in their home. Or it's a vertical garden, you know, whatever space that you're in, you don't necessarily have to have a house, you can have an apartment, and we're willing to come there and um, give a consultation and see what best fits your lifestyle Mm -hmm. so that you can, too, have a garden and have something accessible as far as nutrition. Yeah, that's amazing. I wish you guys were here. I would take one. I need that. And we would be glad to deliver one to you. Absolutely, yes. Then I can meet your husband and we can talk about some EMS stuff. Oh, man. Yeah, for sure. He's from Haiti, too. We lived in Haiti for the last 10 years. Oh, tell him sac passe. Yes. (laughs) Same with him. He's like, oh, you have a cold? Let me make you some tea. And he just will throw together this like crazy tea from the garden. Yes, a brew of herbs. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that is the pharmacy. Absolutely. And I'm the type of person I'll, you know, we have access to, we have an elderberry tree here. Our farm is encompassed with an orchard around where we have a pawpaw tree, we have a Japanese apple tree, we have some figs that are 
actually ripening at this time as we speak. I actually had picked a cue off of the bush while you were interviewing. Oh yeah, Farmer Levi. Yes, uh, Martha and I had the you know taste for some figs. <laughs> so you didn't know. I just ducked out. You know, we have the elderberry tree, and elderberry is very good for like holes and things of that That's nature. What I heard, yeah. Yeah, so we we are lucky to have like access to elderberry. You know, with elderberry, you have to boil it before you consume it first. You know, PSA statement. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything. Be careful with the elderberry. Public service announcement. <laughs> Public service announcement with that one. But the elderberry is very good. We have access to it, so. Yeah, I'm sure he does take care of you in that manner because you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, being Haitian and um, having ties to the islands like I do as well, you know, that's the first thing yeah. that our elders and our ancestors would teach us to do is to go into the yard and procure, you know, certain herbs. Yeah. And that's what we would deal with if we have a cold or some remnant as opposed to going and buying something over the counter. Yeah. You go into the backyard, you go right. into your herbal yard. You know, you dry out your basil, you dry out your, your, your turmeric, you dry out your tarragon, you dry out your rosemary, or you keep it fresh. And, yeah. you know, when you need those things, whether you're cooking or whether you're, you're making a tea, you know, that's, it's yeah. <laughs> nothing more, you know, I thought I was a bad, bad member jammer when I was an EMT, you know, being a farmer. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's something, it's just a whole new, you know, realm. Yeah. Seems like you're doing well. Do you or Farmer Levi want to leave us with maybe a story of like an individual or something that you feel inspired by that keeps you going in the farming community? I think one of the things that keep me going with this is the, the tons of people who smile when they can walk away with a bag of vegetables mm-hmm. that was just picked. Also, seeing how gardening has healed people emotionally. That is something I've watched people uh, come here and blossom. I've watched people change from gardening. That's the main thing. I've watched the change from gardening. I've seen people who didn't have a peaceful place to sit. Gardening and growing has give, given them that place of refuge. So at the end of the day, what keeps me going for this is being able to feed my community. Mm-hmm. There's no other place like it. There's not too many places. We can count on our hands how many places are built on this magnitude that's peaceful and directly in urban areas, tightly packed urban areas, black communities, Latino communities, you know, poor white communities, you know, straight up hoods, people of various ethnic groups and economic levels can come and find a peaceful space when peace seems to be something very fleeting Mm. in this day and time, especially Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. You're calling from Orlando. So, you know, I think you've seen Philadelphia in the news. Philadelphia is the most violent city in, in America right now. Wow. I think people are really competing to see which city is going to be the most violent city this year. Philadelphia is on the top of the list. We also was on the top of the list for food insecurity in the United States of America. We was ranking number one. So, wow. and it has the potential to be the number one producer. Yeah. You know, so I think that's the beauty. Just see that I help to maintain a peaceful environment that children and young people and families and people of all walks of life can come to and escape to. I think that's a blessing. Yeah. So well said. Thank you for that. 
No problem. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. A special thank you to Mill Creek Farms and Farmer Levi and Farmer Toshina. I'm going to have all of the links and how to get in contact with Mill Creek at lapointfoundation.life. I would love to hear any feedback you have. You can email me directly, Callie at lapointfoundation.org. Until next time, keep on fighting for justice.